Section three of Arm of the Law by Harry Harrison. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. If everything else hadn't been so bad, I would have enjoyed that. Ned had more police equipment built into him than Nineport had ever owned. There was an ink pad that snapped out of one hip, and he efficiently rolled Alex's fingertips across it and stamped them on a card. Then he held the prisoner at arm's length while something clicked in his abdomen. Once more, sideways, and two instant photographs dropped out of a slot. The mug shots were stuck on the card, arrest details and such inserted. There was more like this, but I forced myself away. There were more important things to think about. Like staying alive. Any ideas, Chief? A groan was my only answer, so I let it go at that. Billy, the balance of the police force, came in then. I gave him a quick rundown. Either through stupidity or guts he elected to stay, and I was proud of the boy. Ned locked away the latest prisoner and began sweeping up. That was the way we were when China Joe walked in. Even though we were expecting it, it was still a shock. He had a bunch of his toughest hoods with him, and they crowded through the door like an overweight baseball team. China Joe was in front, hands buried in the sleeves of his long mandarin gown, no expression at all on his ascetic features. He didn't waste time talking to us, just gave the word to his own boys. Clean this place up. The new police chief will be here in a while, and I don't want him to see any bums hanging around. It made me angry. Even with the graft, I like to feel I'm still a cop, not on a cheap punk's payroll. I was also curious about China Joe. Had been ever since I tried to get a line on him and never found a thing. I still wanted to know. Ned, take a good look at that Chinese guy in the rayon bathrobe and let me know who he is. My, but those electronic circuits work fast. Ned shot the answer back like a straight man who had been rehearsing his lines for weeks. He is a pseudo-oriental, utilizing a natural sallowness of the skin heightened with dye. He is not Chinese. There has also been an operation on his eyes, scars of which are still visible. This has been undoubtedly done in an attempt to conceal his real identity, but Bertillion measurements of his ears and other features make identity positive. He is on the very wanted list of Interpol, and his real name is... China Joe was angry, and with a reason. That's the thing, that big-mouthed tin radio set over there. We heard about it, and we're taking care of it. The mob jumped aside then, or hit the deck, and I saw there was a guy kneeling in the door with a rocket launcher. Shaped anti-tank charges, no doubt. That was my last thought, as the thing let go with a whoosh. Maybe you can hit a tank with one of those but not a robot. At least not a police robot. Ned was sliding across the floor on his face when the back wall blew up. There was no second shot. Ned closed his hands on the tube of the bazooka, and it was so much old drainpipe. Billy decided then that anyone who fired a rocket in a police station was breaking the law, so he moved in with his club. I was right behind him since I did not want to miss any of the fun. Ned was at the bottom somewhere, but I didn't doubt he could take care of himself. There were a couple of muffled shots, and someone screamed. No one fired after that, because we were too tangled up. 
A punk named Brooklyn Eddie hit me on the side of the head with his gun butt, and I broke his nose all over his face with my fist. There is a kind of fog over everything after that, but I do remember it was very busy for a while. When the fog lifted a bit, I realized I was the only one still standing, or leaning, rather. It was a good thing the wall was there. Ned came in through the street door, carrying a very bashed-looking Brooklyn Eddie. I hoped I had done all that. Eddie's wrists were fastened together with cuffs. Ned laid him gently next to the heap of thugs, who, I suddenly realized, all wore the same kind of handcuffs. I wondered vaguely if Ned made them as he needed them, or had a supply tucked away in a hollow leg or something. There was a chair a few feet away, and sitting down helped. Blood was all over everything, and if a couple of the hoods hadn't groaned, I would have thought they were corpses. One was, I noticed suddenly. A bullet had caught him in the chest. Most of the blood was probably his. Ned burrowed in the bodies for a moment and dragged Billy out. He was unconscious, a big smile on his face and the splintered remains of his nightstick still stuck in his fist. It takes very little to make some people happy. A bullet had gone through his leg, and he never moved while Ned ripped the pants leg off and put on a bandage. The spurious China Joe and one other man escaped in a car, Ned reported. Don't let it worry you, I managed to croak. Your batting average still leads the league. It was then that I realized the chief was still sitting in his chair, where he had been when the brouhaha started. Still slumped down with that glazed look. Only after I started to talk to him did I realize that Alonzo Craig, chief of police of Nineport, was now dead. A single shot, small caliber gun, maybe a twenty-two, right through the heart, and what blood there had been was soaked up by his clothes. I had a good idea where the gun would be that fired that shot. A small gun, the kind that would fit in a wide Chinese sleeve. I wasn't tired or groggy any more, just angry. Maybe he hadn't been the brightest or most honest guy in the world, but he deserved a better end than that, knocked off by a two-bit racket boss who thought he was being crossed. Right about then I realized I had a big decision to make. With Billy out of the fight and Fats gone, I was the Nineport Police Force. All I had to do to be clear of this mess was to walk out the door and keep going. I would be safe enough. Ned buzzed by, picking up two of the thugs, and hauled them off to the cells. Maybe it was the sight of his blue back, or maybe I was tired of running. Either way, my mind was made up before I realized it. I carefully took off the chief's gold badge and put it on in place of my old one. The new chief of police of Nineport, I said to no one in particular. Yes, sir, Ned said as he passed. He put one of the prisoners down long enough to salute, then went on with his work. I returned the salute. The hospital meat wagon hauled away the dead and wounded. I took an evil pleasure in ignoring the questioning stares of the attendants. After the doc fixed the side of my head, everyone cleared out. Ned mopped up the floor. I ate tin aspirin and waited for the hammering to stop so I could think what to do next. When I pulled my thoughts together the answer was obvious. Too obvious. I made as long a job as I could of reloading my gun. 
Refill your handcuff box, Ned. We are going out. Like a good cop, he asked no questions. I locked the outside door when we left and gave him the key. Here, there's a good chance you will be the only one left to use this before the day is over. I stretched the drive over to China Joe's place just as much as I could, trying to figure if there was another way of doing it. There wasn't. Murder had been done, and Joe was the boy I was going to pin it on. So I had to get him. The best I could do was stop around the corner and give Ned a briefing. This combination bar and dice room is the sole property of he whom we will still call China Joe until there is time for you to give me a rundown on him. Right now I got enough distractions. What we have to do is go in there, find Joe, and bring him to justice. Simple? Simple. Ned answered in his sharp Joe College voice. But wouldn't it be simpler to make the arrest now, when he is leaving in that car, instead of waiting until he returns? The car in mention was doing sixty as it came out of the alley ahead of us. I only had a glimpse of Joe in the back seat as it tore by us. Stop them! I shouted, mostly for my own benefit, since I was driving. I tried to shift gears and start the engine at the same time, and succeeded in doing exactly nothing. So Ned stopped them. It had been phrased as an order. He leaned his head out of the window, and I saw at once why most of his equipment was located in his torso, probably his brain as well. There sure wasn't much room left in his head when that cannon was tucked away in there. A seventy-five millimeter recoilless. A plate swiveled back right where his nose should have been, if he had one, and the big muzzle pointed out. It's a neat idea when you think about it right between the eyes for good aiming, up high, always ready. The boom, boom, almost took my head off. Of course Ned was a perfect shot, so would I be with a computer for a brain. He had holed one rear tire with each slug, and the car flapped, flapped to a stop a little ways down the road. I climbed out slowly while Ned sprinted there in seconds flat. They didn't even try to run this time. What little nerve they had left must have been shattered by the smoking muzzle of that seventy-five millimeter poking out from between Ned's eyes. Robots are neat about things like that, so he must have left it sticking out deliberately. Probably had a course in psychology back in robot school. Three of them in the car, all waving their hands in the air like the last reel of a western, and the rear floor covered with interesting little suitcases. Everyone came along quietly. China Joe only snarled while Ned told me that his name really was Stanton, and the Elmira hot seat was kept warm all the time in hopes he would be back. I promised Joe Stanton I would be happy to arrange it that same day, thereby not worrying about any slip-ups with the local authorities. The rest of the mob would stand trial in Canal City. It was a very busy day. Things have quieted down a good deal since then. Billy is out of the hospital and wearing my old sergeant stripes. Even Fats is back, though he is sober once in a while now and has trouble looking me in the eye. We don't have much to do, because, in addition to being a quiet town, this is now an honest one. Ned is on foot patrol nights and in charge of the lab and files days. Maybe the policeman's benevolent wouldn't like that, but Ned doesn't seem to mind. He touched up all the bullet scratches and keeps his badge polished. 
I know a robot can't be happy or sad, but Ned seems to be happy. Sometimes I would swear I can hear him humming to himself, but of course that is only the motors and things going around. When you start thinking about it, I suppose we set some kind of precedent here. What with putting on a robot as a full-fledged police officer? No one ever came around from the factory yet, so I have never found out if we're the first or not. And I'll tell you something else. I'm not going to stay in this broken-down town forever. I have some letters out now looking for a new job. So some people are going to be very surprised when they see who their new chief of police is after I leave. End of Section 3 End of Armor the Law by Harry Harrison Read by Phil Chenevere, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, May 2012